Father God, we thank you so much for this day and for your word. And Lord, thank you for Karen and her willingness to take us through this passage that in in so many ways is confusing. Um, But Lord, we know that you are not a God of confusion. And so we thank you for our time together in your word this morning. Pray that you would bless Karen as she shares with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Quick announcement I forgot to make. Room 304 and room... 301B, which is where mine and Karen's small group meets, are not available. Those two rooms are not available today. So if you're in 304, our group's just going to stay in here, but 304, y'all might want to consider going into the fellowship hall. Good morning. Um, First thing I want to say is, y'all, as we look through Genesis, there are more chapters devoted to Joseph than any other character. And I just think that's Awesome, and I think in these next five chapters that we're going to look at this morning, you'll see why. As um, this famine, you'll a couple of times the, the chapters start off, and the famine was severe everywhere, and the famine is severe everywhere, and not just the physical famine. I think as we look through these next five chapters, let's don't try to look at just the physical famine, but also the spiritual famine. If we look at John six thirty five, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If anybody comes to me, they will never hunger. Joseph's brothers would come and go and come to Egypt, go buy food, then go home, come to Egypt, buy food, and go home. And they were going to have to keep doing that until the famine was over unless they, oh, yeah, moved to where the bread was. And y'all... When the famine in our life, our spiritual famine happens, we've moved away from God. We want to move back to Jesus and just stay there. Just abide where the food is. That's why those pieces of grain are on your table. Get one and stick it in your Bible. And remember, Jesus calls us to come. Come and be fed. Come. And he called his brothers. Joseph said, y'all come. And they did. Okay. Um... Also, as we look through these verses, notice how many times the gospel is so obvious. The forgiveness, the reconciliation, and take your little pen, and every time you come to a place in the Bible today while we go through this, that you see that Joseph kind of represents Jesus, put a little mark there, put a little J or something to let you know, oh, Joseph is acting just like Jesus here keep our mind on where we need to go. I will not be able to answer all the questions that we have about this chapter because I didn't get any kind of obvious revelation that, oh yeah, that's why they didn't know. Don't know. Okay. We're in the first year of the famine. Jacob looks in his sons and says, I found out there's food in Egypt. Y'all get down there, but oh yeah, you can't take Benjamin. Ten of you, it's okay for you ten to go, but no, we're not. you're not taking my favorite. So he's still playing the favorite card. Um, now, I, all the brothers, except for Benjamin, are in their 40s. Uh, somebody had done a little timeline that showed how old everybody, except for Donna, and she's 39 at this time. I don't know how they figured that out. Um, so off they go, 200 miles. It's about a six, seven-day walk with their donkeys and all their stuff. Um, they get to Egypt, and they meet the Lord of the land, and he's all painted up, and he's all slick back. He doesn't have a hairy face, and he speaks Egyptian. Oh, yes, his brother. Y'all, can you imagine when Joseph recognized these men? He never thought he'd see his brothers again, and there are ten of them. 
When God gives us a position of leadership, and he will give all of us a position of leadership at some point in time, we need to use Joseph as an example. You don't see any lording it over them. You don't see any abuse. I mean, he could have said, jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton, and bow down one more time, please. You know, he doesn't do that. He gives them what they want. Um, They're not even expecting it to be their brother. There's no reason they would know that would be Joseph. He doesn't look the same. He speaks Egyptian. He's not speaking Hebrew. He doesn't wear Hebrew clothes. He doesn't have a long beard. He's Egyptian. Joseph had this power, and he wants to see now if his brothers have changed. His love for them, you know, just a, there's nothing like our family you know, when there's discord in our families, God says, do everything you can do on your own personal self to make peace. And we know Joseph's going to get there. Joseph just needs to see where his brothers are. Have they changed? So he questions them. Uh, Tell me who you are. I really think you guys are spies because there are 10 of you and nobody sends 10 people. No, no, we're honest men. And Joseph's thinking, yeah, I heard that before. I think you're spies. And they say, no, no, we're all all brothers, and one of of them's not around anymore. They're not using that word dead or that we sold him into slavery. And then we got a little brother who's a younger brother, and he's with our daddy. And um, Joseph says, no, I think you're spies. And he puts him in jail for three days. Evidently, back then in this town of Egypt, um, never could quite find out if it was Memphis or a town called Tannin. If you were the lord of something, you had a dungeon under your house. So I suspect that's where he put them. He just took them in jail for three days. Um, He gets them out and says, okay, if you're honest men, one of you guys is going to stay here with me. Only you're going to be in jail. And the rest of you go home and feed your families. And if you're honest, you're going to bring that little brother back. These brothers are still dealing with the guilt of killing their younger brother, Joseph, they think. And when they hear them say this, Reuben is kind of whispering, I told you guys not to be ugly to Joseph. We're paying for this now. Of course, Joseph can hear all this. He speaks Hebrew, but he's using an interpreter, kind of playing the game with them. Um, and Joseph has to turn around and leave the room and start crying. It's just, oh, oh. He's not sure if they're changing. So he tells his, um, he lines them all up, and he chooses Simeon. Now, we're not really sure why he chose Simeon. Some people think it's because Simeon was the oldest brother that was left when they do send Joseph off when he got on the Lamedianite, the Ishmaelite caravan. Um, But there's no rhyme or reason to that. He probably just picked Simeon because Simeon was the meanest or the, we don't know. Anyway, he handcuffs him and ties him up right there in front of everybody, seeing how they're going to respond, and orders all their bags be filled up with silver, their silver, puts it back in their bags. Um, and off they go, leaving Simeon in jail. Um, 
Joseph didn't have to do this. Joseph could have said, you 10 guys are spies, you don't get any grain. But he loves his brothers. Grace, grace, grace. If you want to put a little star there, there is one representative of what he looks like representing Jesus. Just all this grace. Um, They get on the road. They've been a day's journey. They camp out, and one of the brothers opens up. um, Evidently, back then when you were loading up the donkeys with all the grain that you could possibly carry because you got to feed your family for however long. You don't know how long you're going to be gone. you got big, big sacks, and then you got little sacks. And for some reason, one of the brothers opens up the little sack to get out some grain, and there is his silver. And rather than saying, those stupid Egyptian slaves, they gave me my money back. No. It says all of them, their hearts sank with fear and trembling. They're scared to death. They know God's watching them. They, they're thinking, we're reaping what we sowed, which is a principle that's not new. It's been going on a long time. So they get home and they tell their father, Jacob, what happened. And they find all their silver. And old Jacob starts in with the poor me's. Oh, poor me. Y'all, this is such an error for us to avoid. We will notice in these chapters, Jacob never uses his affliction to draw close to Christ. Not like Joseph. Joseph uses his affliction to draw close. Y'all, I don't know what all your afflictions are. I know what mine are. And I tend to be a little bit more like Jacob. Poor me. Let me tell you. I want to tell you how terrible it is. God don't want to hear that. God wants to hear how awesome God is. God's bringing this in my life to draw me closer to Jesus, not so I can have a pity party. So I love it when he says, I'm the God of Jacob. Have y'all decided you don't like Jacob quite so much? I don't like Jacob quite so much anymore. He's not so nice. Um, So Jacob starts in with the poor me's. He blames his son. Now you want to take Benjamin? You've taken Simeon, and now there's that one that's no more. And Judah, I mean, Reuben says, I love this. Reuben's just hysterical. Okay, Daddy. Y'all, if you were on, look in chapter uh, 43, and look what Reuben does. In verse 37. And Reuben says to his daddy, You may put both of my sons to death if I don't come back. Who does that? I mean, were they really bad kids and he just didn't want them? Why would you sacrifice your children? Why wouldn't you just, of course, we learn later on, Judah does a lot better job of this. And, of course, Jacob doesn't trust him because he slept with his concubine back in a couple of chapters ago. So that this boy's not going down with you. His brother's dead and I only have one left. And, y'all, there are ten brothers standing there. Jacob can really be a loser with this little mouth. We need to be careful how we respond to our children. Um, my great head will go down into the grave if y'all don't bring him back. All right, look at verse 43. The famine's still severe just because they went and got food. Didn't mean the famine wasn't around. And remember that spiritually. Just because you've been to one Bible study or, oh, you had a quiet time a couple of months ago, you still going to be having a little bit of famine in your land. So be careful there. Um I love what Judah says. Look what I'm sorry. Look what Jacob says in verse forty, uh, chapter forty-three, verse two. Go back and buy us a little food. What's a little food going to do? Which is y'all once again when Jesus puts you in a role of leadership. These are things not to do as a leader 
if you want what you want. Notice how long Jacob has delayed his sons going back. They have completely run out of food. And Judah looks at him and said, Dad, if you hadn't delayed, we could have been there back twice. And then Jacob kind of minimizes the horror of what's going on. Well, if you just go get a little food. No, they need tons of food. They got to feed all of these children and mamas. And, and, and then he sort of plays the honest game. Well, if you guys hadn't told him that we had Benjamin and me, and you know, they look at him and say, what, do you want us to lie? We didn't know he was going to say that. And then he says, well, maybe we can buy him off. Let's, let's get him all of this good stuff from our land. And he lists all the yummy things that he's going to try to buy off Joseph with. And he doesn't know it's Joseph so that they won't keep Benjamin. And then finally, he just is so fatalistic. Oh, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. And I love the way, y'all, Judah takes the reins here. Judah, um, in chapter 43, verse 80, says, Give the boy to me. Here's another representation of Christ. Um, I'll take him and we'll exchange my life for his. If Ben doesn't come back, Ben can come back and I will stay or I will always be to blame here. Um, and Jesus says, Greater love hath no man than he laid in his life. And, and that's what Judah is doing here. <laughs> I love that. All right, so they get back. And I'm sure they're, and notice in one of the gifts, it said, they made a hurried trip. Verse 15, the men took the gifts and the double amount of silver and Benjamin, and they hurried. So it's a real quick trip here. It's usually those little old donkeys just hurrying across the desert. And they get down there and, oh, Joseph sees them. And he sends his steward to them and says, take them to my house. They're going to eat with me. Well, these guys knows where the dungeon is. You take them to my house. That could have meant to them, there's a dungeon underneath, and we're going to go get to live with Simeon now. Um, and they're frightened. I love that. Verse 18, they were frightened. They had good reason to be frightened. Um, he wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us and make slaves of us, and they're borrowing trouble. And ladies, that's what we do when we let fear overtake us. When I project into the future, when I project what I think is going to happen, I get anxious. Don't do that. Do not project what you think might happen. If your child is late coming home from a date, do not immediately assume that they are upside down in a car in a creek. But that's what we think. Don't go there. Don't borrow trouble. Um, so the steward comes up and, and Y'all, can you hear them just backpedaling fast? Well, we found, we found all this money in our sack, and we brought it back, and, and we brought gifts. And, and the steward all but says, y'all, just be quiet. You're going to eat a nice meal with the Lord of the land, and the God of your father is giving your money back to you. Now, I don't know if Joseph has had such an influence on his steward that he knows the God of his father. So you bring Simeon out, and I'm sure they hugged, unless somehow you get the impression Simeon's not very nice. I don't know where that comes from in my mind, but um, I'm sure they hugged. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're glad you're okay and alive. And they take him into Joseph's house, not the dungeon, washes their feet, um, takes care of their donkeys, and, y'all, they lay out all their goods now on the table because the 
evidently the steward was not real impressed with the fact that they brought their money back. So they're going to impress them now with the gifts. So they lay all the gifts out. And Joseph's coming at lunchtime. And I love the way the Bible says, coming at noon. And they're going to eat. Joseph's comes. They prepare their gifts. They show him the gifts. And they bow down to the ground. And y'all, he says, how's your dad? And they say, he's fine. And then look what they do in verse 28. The bowing down's not enough. My Bible says they lay prostrate. You know, that means you, you're laying down flat on the ground with your face on the floor. They're doing everything they can to persuade this guy. They, he, he sees there's a th- another guy there. There are 11 of them now. And he says, this your younger brother? Yep. And Joseph just says, God be gracious to you, my son. And he says he's deeply moved. Don't get the idea that Joseph is a crybaby. He's not. He loves his brothers, and he hadn't seen them in so long. Y'all, he has forgiven these guys from the bottom of his heart, and he wants complete reconciliation. Have you ever been, oh, husbands may not be a good one to do this with, maybe a child. Have you ever had a kid, one of your children, that you've been estranged with for a day or an afternoon? You know, just the ache in your heart that things are not right, and then when... They finally come to their senses or whatever. Just the joy that you feel. I think that's what Joseph is going through here. I want reconciliation. I want to make it right. And y'all, so he, he comes back out after crying. He watches his face, controls himself, tells all of the food. Can't you just see him acting all um, important? So they served Joseph at one place, and then the brothers over there, and then the Egyptians sat over there because <clears throat> the Egyptians couldn't eat with Hebrews. I don't know why. And Joseph, this is so cool. He had the brothers sitting in their chronological order. And in verse um, 34 or 33, it says, they were astonished. How did he know that? How did he know to go Reuben, Simeon, all the way down? And he didn't miss one. He didn't get anybody mixed up. I'm sure they thought he was really powerful. And, and then the last verse, I just love this. I uh, gives Benjamin five. You'll notice the word five is mentioned several letter. The word five, number five is mentioned several times in these verses. And all I could find on that was, and I don't like to put a lot of stock in oh, ooh, la, la numbers and stuff, but um, evidently the word five in scripture means grace. I don't know that. So don't put any stock in that. It's just something I read. It, scripture does not say that. But um, he gives Benjamin Five times more food. Who's going to eat five times more than somebody else? I guess it was just a show of specialness. And then it says, they feasted and they drank freely. Now, it doesn't say they all got drunk, but it does say they drank freely and they ate. They feasted. It doesn't just say they had a little meal. They didn't have a picnic. This was a feast. And don't you know they're wondering, y'all? Nobody has ever, praise God, nobody has ever treated me as badly as Joseph's brothers treated him. Nobody's ever sold me into slavery and then lied about it. And I got put in prison for things I didn't do. I just don't know that it would be in my heart to say, y'all come on in, let's have a great glass of wine and some food and eat and have a good time together. No, I'd say, we can put y'all downstairs in the dungeon and I'll give you a little bit of water and make you 
hang on the cross a little while for what you did, which is what we tend to do when people have aggravated us. Joseph is such an example for us to follow. Okay, the next day, he looks at his steward and says, you fill up every mind's sack with as much food as they possibly can carry. Another Ephesians 3, God will give us more, far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. And then put my little silver cup in the youngest one's bag. That little silver cup was a sign of authority. To steal that little silver cup would have been a grave error. Um, The little silver cup, if you were so inclined, was also something they used to predict the future. I guess you poured wine in it or something to drink, and you look in it, if the the bubbles did something or the ripples did something, it would tell the future. Now, Joseph didn't need that because he had God. He didn't need to. But evidently, little servants thought those silver cups were magical. So they stuffed the silver cup down in Benjamin's bag, and off they go. As morning dawned, so they're leaving early, they hadn't even gotten outside the city hardly, and Joseph looks at Stuart and said, now you go catch those boys and accuse them of stealing that cup. So he does. He gets to them, and the boys, the men just say, are you kidding? We, we didn't take the cup. And the steward said, well, let's just see. So he starts with Reuben, takes the packs off the donkeys and looks through them, and, and they find the cup in Benjamin's bag. Y'all think about poor old Simeon. He's thinking, oh, dear Gussie, I got to go back. He was so close. He was so close. And y'all, they could have said, they could have gotten home and told the dad, boy, don't you just hate that about Ben? Dad, sorry. He's, they didn't, y'all. You can see the change in these brothers. They don't want their daddy hurt. They don't want Benjamin hurt. So they load the donkeys back up. They go back to the city. And y'all, look at this verse. I love this. Verse 14 of Genesis 44. Joseph was still in the house. He's finishing up his coffee. He's probably talking with his cute little wife. Maybe talking with his sons. It was all planned. He's having his little cup of coffee. And here they come. And the scripture says in verse 14, Judah and the brothers. Judah's the leader here now. And y'all, I don't know if you read everything that Judah says to Joseph, but it is one of the sweetest, I'm so sorry, we didn't do it, examples ever. He makes no excuse. He even says, um, God's obviously found us out. And he's not talking about stealing the cup. He's talking about their past. And I just love that, that Judas, um, our father sent us to buy some more food. He didn't want Benjamin to go. We've told Benjamin to come. Benjamin came, and now our daddy's going to die if you keep Ben. So please, let Ben go home, and you keep me. Um, And y'all, if you'll notice in verse is starting about verse 21 of chapter 44 all the way down to the end of the chapter verse 34 they use the word boy about eight times I mean at this point you'd think Benjamin was nine years old he's a grown up he's got kids of his own I always wonder why do they keep talking to him like he's still a boy 
but it's because he was the youngest. You know, how many of you have one child that's 13 and he's still the baby? You know, he's your youngest kid. He's still the baby. And you know, my baby's 40, 45, 44. I still call her the baby. You know, she's not. She's not the girl. She's grown up with kids, grown kids. So that's what he's doing here, if you notice that about the word boy. All right. Joseph can't control himself anymore. He sends everybody out of the room, all of his attendants. He knows what's fixing to happen. And I love this because, one, he doesn't want his servants to lose any um, um, respect for him. But more than likely, Joseph knows when he reveals himself, they're going to have to talk about what happened. And Joseph has forgiven them, but he never minimizes the sin. He never covers it up. He doesn't say, it's okay. No, it's not okay. But he does not dwell on it. He lets them know they're forgiven, and he's doing it in private. It's not, I'm not going to blast Julie Tapscott if she's done something in front of all the people at her table. No, we're going to get one-on-one and talk about whatever it is. I love that. Um, he says, I'm Joseph. And if you all were noticed from verses um, 3 all the way down to probably about verse 15, the brothers don't say one thing. They are flabbergasted. They can't talk. I'm Joseph. What do you mean you're Joseph? They don't even say that. They, they, Joseph, now they're really afraid because here's the Lord of the land that can do anything he wants to to them. Anything with good reason to do anything to them. They've earned it. Y'all, is that not such a picture of what happens to us? We have earned the dungeon. We're, we're the brothers. And Joseph said, come. And he hugs them like the prodigal daddy does with the prodigal son. He hugs them and hugs them to him. Um, you didn't do this. God did. I wish I could always say that about the things that happened in my life. You didn't do this. God did it. God meant it for good. You and your children and grandchildren. We got five more years of famine left. And then look what he says. Come. Come. I just love that. And in verse 15, he kissed all of his brothers and he wept over all of them. Look what he says. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Would you love to have heard that conversation? And I suspect it, well, a lot of it was, we're so sorry. We did that. We were stupid and immature and jealous. And, and Joseph says, I forgive you. I understand. And I bet they talked about all their children and what they were doing and whatever. I don't know. Just, I love that. They talked. And then Pharaoh found out because he'd been crying so loud, all the servants heard it. And they went and told Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was so excited when he found out about the brothers. And he says, pack up the babies and grab the old ladies and come on. And he sent carts. And y'all, these Egyptian carts were probably like Mayflower moving vans to the Hebrews. You know, they had carts. So here they come. Um, and verse 24 
as Joseph is sending his brothers away, loaded down with donkeys. And notice Benjamin gets, oh, five sets of clothes. Y'all know how hard it was to make clothes back then. You didn't just run off to Target or Walmart or wherever you buy your clothes. No, you had to kill the sheep or shear the sheep and card it, whatever. So grateful I don't have to do that. And you had to make the clothes so everybody had maybe a coat. And that's why those ladies had one blue dress that they wore all the time. That little hood on. Um, or maybe it was black. I don't know what color it was. But they always just seemed to have the same color. You never saw them in red or it was always blue or black. Um, it's hard to make clothes. And notice Benjamin got five. Ten donkeys, ten male donkeys, ten lady donkeys, more grain than they could carry. And Joseph looks at him and says, don't quarrel. How many of you ever told your kids that? You know, he's acting like the big brother here. Don't quarrel. He knew what was going to happen. Reuben was going to start saying, that was your fault. No, it was my fault. No, it was your fault. No, what, 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 no. And I suspect they didn't. But y'all, they get home and you um, in verse 7 of 44, the famous words that we could each start every sentence with, it says, um, Verse 7, no. It's 45. And he says, but God. But God. Don't take God out of the equation. But God. And they get home to Jacob. And hmm, Jacob's going to know something fishy's going on. Joseph's still alive after he'd been told and had been eaten up by a wild animal. Hmm, how can that be? They're going to have to do some fancy talking or tell the truth. Um, the whole sordid story, I suspect, comes out here. And notice that Jacob stops being Jacob. And in verse 28, he becomes Israel again. And I don't think it's just because he got what he wanted. I think it's because he's recognizing God's hand in his life. Um I'm convinced Joseph, my son, is alive, and I will go and see him. So off he goes to uh, Egypt, and he stops in Beersheba. Do y'all remember what Beersheba, Abraham stopped there a while and had a little prayer thing, and um, Isaac stopped there and had a little prayer thing, and they were all going to Egypt, and oops, they weren't supposed to be going to Egypt. Jacob doesn't want to make that mistake. He stops in Beersheba, starts praying, and God comes to him and says, go on and go to Egypt. I am God. Don't be afraid. My purpose for you is there, um, and I will go with you. You Y'all, if we could remember that, he is God. He has a purpose for us, and he will go with us, and it will come true. And Jacob packs up, and off they go to Egypt. Um, now, I love the list of names. Whenever they have this long list of names, I, that's to me, I, that's just so cool because it is such a reminder that God knows who we are. He knows whose we are, and he knows where we are. And he knows that for your children. For those of you who have kids, he knows who your children are. He knows whose they are, and he knows where they are. 
forever because he's God and we're not. Have you ever lost your kid at Walmart? (laughs) God knows where your child is. (laughs) Scary, but he does. So they pack up the babies. They grab the old ladies and off they go. Joseph um, is in his full regalia and I just love this. Um, look at verse 28 of chapter 46. Now Jacob, oh, he's Jacob again, but I think he's not being bad Jacob. He sends Judah, the leader, ahead to Joseph to get directions. I just love that. They didn't know where Goshen was. And if Judah had just taken off, y'all, whenever you don't know where you are or the right thing to do, where to seek counsel. Go to somebody who knows. If I've got a problem, I can call Sandy Whitten on the phone. I can call Brenda. I can call somebody who's been where I'm going. Now, they might not be able to help me all the way with whatever it is I'm struggling with, but they've been there. They can say, there, there, you're fixed to go through a really hard time. I'll pray with you. But, of course, Joseph knew the way. He tells Tells Judah how to get there. They go. And y'all, Joseph could have just put on his everyday clothes to meet his daddy. He didn't. He dressed up in his finest stuff and he came in the chariot. I mean, how cool was that? Dad, look what's happened. Look what God's done. And I really do think Jacob appreciated it. So he goes and he meets the Pharaoh. And notice he only takes what? Five brothers with him. Here's that number five again. And I looked up that, um, what it says, um, to present the five brothers, and it said, took from the end, from the extremity. And some of the commentators think that means that he took the ugliest looking and the meanest acting five, because if he'd taken the most handsome the Pharaoh would have put them in service for him. So he took his ugly brothers. Now, they don't know that for sure. It could have just been they just started with the oldest and took the first five oldest. I don't know. But Joseph sort of um, prompted the boys on what to say, sort of uh, gave them a little, if he asks you what you do, you tell him you're shepherds. Tell him you look after cattle, I mean, look after sheep, because they don't like us. To do that, they don't. Sheep were considered unclean, and y'all, they moved to Goshen, which is completely separated. Great land for sheep, and y'all, God had called them to be separated. He calls us to be separated. Find out where you're dwelling in the Egypt land and move back to Goshen. Whatever it is, if it's if it's your TV, if it's your clothes, if it's your speech, if it's... I don't know what y'all... I know what mine are. I know where I need to go back to Goshen. Um, where do we get enmeshed in the world? God wanted these guys completely separate. First John 2. Um, God wants us separated. And he separated them. Of course, you know, in however many years it was, was it 400, 600 years they were there? 400, a gazillion of them now because they've been separated. They'd been separated. Um, 
Jacob comes to meet the Pharaoh and he blesses the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, how old are you? He says, well, I'm 130 years old, but I'm not as old as my granddaddy was. And he said, and my years have been terrible. And y'all, they had. I don't think he's being fatalistic here. He brought a lot of it on himself. He just didn't follow Jesus and he had to work too many years for one lady he didn't really love and another one that he did love and then that didn't work out. Oh, he'd had a hard time. So I think he's just telling the truth. And verse 13, it lets us remember Joseph is not finished being the administrator. He's got five more years to take care of the land and the Pharaoh. And um, we were talking earlier, that seems kind of hard that the people couldn't, they gave him their food, they gave him their, they gave him their money to get the food, they, they gave him their land, they gave him everything. Joseph wasn't being selfish here. He was looking after the Pharaoh's interests. That was his job. He kept the people alive. That was his job. That's what God raised him up to do. Um, And Jacob dies at 147 years old. And he says, don't bury me there. Put your hand right here under my thigh. That was the way they made pledges back then. (laughs) Just stick it right up under there. Pledge to me. And he did. And um, verse 31 says, swear to me. Now, I, some of your Bibles are going to read differently, and I'd love, if you've got different translation, just read it out loud for me. Mine says, then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshiped, notice it said Israel, and he leaned on the top of his staff. Does anybody say bed? What does yours say, Casey? Would you read it? Yeah, that's, evidently he's sitting on the edge of his bed. And then maybe he's got a staff in his hand. And he gets through, they get through this swearing thing, and he just conks his head over his bedstead. You know, y'all, he's 147 years old, and he's still worshiping God. You know, may that be said of us, that we'll wear out, not rust out, with our worship to God. The end. Okay. Lunch is probably served and over. I'm sorry. We missed lunch. Oh, okay. Jesus, thank you so much for our food. I pray you'll take care of the kids in the nursery now and keep us healthy. In your name we pray. Amen. And y'all, please don't worry about the coronavirus.